Ladies and gentlemen, here we are shooting the shiz at. I am Dylan Broda, joined by none other than the Rebel Starbuck. How you doing there, big guy? Kipiaa, mother hugger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so. ain't no, I ain't no Bruce Willis, but I can do his lines. There you go. Hey, yeah, but hey, it's 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 all right. It's all right. The thing is, the sun is shining. It's uh, the weather is a bit on and off here, but nonetheless, we're in the studio today. We're going to be talking about TNA. Well, actually, that's no, it's not TNA no more. It's Impact nope. Wrestling. I think everybody will still uh, have it, it'll still be known as TNA. Probably, for, yeah. I think, until the end of time. Yeah, it's. I think it's. Uh, yeah, they can't run away from it. Anyway, the thing is, it's uh, Slammiversary. Yeah. Yep. And, I heard uh, good things, but uh, we're gonna. I guess the good and the bad. The good and the bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Sammy Callahan was uh, claiming it was the best pay per view of 2019. Well, top to bottom, I wouldn't say so. But well, well, you his know. match was damn good. Wow, there you go. Yeah, but yeah, I guess we're going to get into that a little bit later. And uh, but there's again, it just the wrestling doesn't stop to pour out of uh, all the media outlets we had uh, that New Japan show, the G1, the opening night of the A Block in Dallas controversy controversy surrounding it i guess with a little bit with that john moxley couldn't be there because of his aew oh yeah contract um, were there like ticket refunds because of that or what i don't i don't know uh, i don't think so but uh i didn't hear of any ticket refunds anyway but uh i because they didn't advertise him being there i guess they can I think people just assumed, and then so that's why they had to make this press statement that he's not going to be there. Well, the thing is, like Rodney Dangerfield once said in this movie, Back to School from the mid-'80s, he said that when you assume, you make an ass out of you uh, and me. So There you go. So no ticket, no ticket refund for you assumers. No. No, because you're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> and you made an ass out of me. But, um, yeah, and then uh, what else did we have? Um Trying to think here, but uh, a lot of stuff anyway. But on the, that New Japan show, yeah, the the, the New Japan show was actually, uh, if you're in for a pro wrestling event, this was a pro wrestling event. I mean, from top to bottom, there was I would say not a bad match on the card. There was maybe matches that weren't fantastic. There's always matches that ain't that great. Yeah, and and the thing is. What I really like about, uh, I mean, there's tons of things I like about this G1 tournament, but I think this night one, and this is the first time that they're doing it outside of Japan here in Dallas, maybe at a questionable venue, but we'll, which we'll talk about. But they had like a, a, the actual block matches, so the actual A block matches that happened, where it was like you got something completely different from each match. Uh you know, specifically. So the first match was Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer, Archer being the hometown boy. And this was like, uh, maybe from, if you view the highlights, this was a spot fest, you know, mm. a lot of flips and flops. But the idea behind Lance Archer just being so much bigger than Will Ospreay that he has to, like, jump off the top rope to try to gain some kind of uh, advantage. You know, and it uh, didn't go his way. And that's really something because the thing is, like, Osprey's not a short guy. No, he's not. I guess he's just uh, lean. Uh, what did I hear? That you had got to be, 
Is it 105 kilograms or something like that to be a heavyweight in New Japan? I right. mean, of course, there's yeah. exceptions, but and he's somewhere in the rounds of 92 kilograms. Okay. So he's technically under, but they're allowing him to be there because of, you know, uh, whatever. that he's He's really desperately wanting to show how good he is because he is the best of super junior winner and the and the uh, super junior or the junior heavyweight champion so i guess he's trying to prove it here but lance archer being like literally the biggest guy there um it was actually a amazing match and archer showed up for sure and um i mean uh, a lot of people said it was the best match of the night i don't know but this this was the thing it was this style of match you had this you know, King Kong versus, or what is it, the David versus Goliath match, you know. Right. And uh, this time, Goliath won. He came out on top, the hometown boy with the claw, using it as That's a surprising, by the way, because the thing is, like, Lance Archer has been profiled for the longest time as a tag team player with Harry Smith. Yeah. So the thing is, like, for him to get a singles win over somebody like, especially Osprey yeah. at this point. High profile. Yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be something there for him. Yeah, and uh, I think that it seems as though, because uh, they were talking a lot about that from the commentary, that he uh, he's mostly known for tag team division, and this seems to be, uh, this might be his breakout as a singles. And they... Well, you know what? In New Japan, what they need the most out of anything is heavyweight tag teams. And it seems as though there was evidence on this show that they're going to amalgamate the two divisions. They're going to just probably have just tag team, a tag team division, not a junior and a heavyweight. Really? Yeah, because I think that they they had, actually, the Sho and Yo, the, who are junior heavyweight, the Rapungi 3K in the opening bout against the Gorillas of Destiny, who are the heavyweight champions and mm-hmm. grill is one but it was a good match as well it was definitely not a flop uh, you know but uh, an opening match that did did a good job warming the crowd up that's for sure um but yeah well like what i was saying is that osprey match with archer was a david versus goliath a lot of high risk stuff but um and you know it was fast paced and then you had evil versus bad luck folly and uh this was probably that match that was not fantastic. It was just good. It was two hard-hitting dudes. Bad Luck Folly being another big dude, um, you know. But when you're sandwiched inside Will Osprey, Kota Ibushi, and you know Kazuchika Okada and Kenta and these kind of guys, it's really hard to stand out. So you got to do your own thing. And if people's if uh, people like that, like hard you know, haymaker style, big man match or whatever, then this, uh, this was kind of that match. There you go. But sometimes those get a little bit boring if, if they're not done perfectly well. Well, keep it short. Yeah, there you go, right? And then you had Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata. And this was surprisingly like just a wrestling clinic. Really, really, really good. Mm. Uh, Sonata can, he is a, he out-wrestled Zack Sabre Jr., which really? is, like, is the story here that... Uh, he used that Zack Sabre Jr. does this kind of wrap up uh, what bridge pin, you know, where I guess he does the bridge over top of uh, over top of you and and does crosses his arms, just has his head on the on the mat or whatnot, like a straitjacket. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess so. And um, and uh, and Sonata pulled that out of his arsenal and, and got the win, and and it was a this was like a total. Um, 
this like shoot wrestling mat wrestling clinic and it was it was really good showed how versatile sonata is you know, he was trained by the great muda i guess you it's uh you know the guy you he, he was trained in all japan pro wrestling that i know yeah, yeah. apparently well at least his mentor was muda yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. he does the moon salt uh, as well too i guess um, Actually, you remember a few years ago, back in Wrestle One, he was wearing the Muda paint. He was the Great Sonata. Well, yeah, I, th- that's right. I totally forgot all yeah, about that. So that the, was the tribute because he started also wearing wearing the really intricate like skull masks as well. Uh, and I actually the the Muda's like current or like uh, ring entrance gear is like pretty awesome. Like this kind of yeah. like. Uh, how would I describe it? I don't know if anybody's seen like Beetlejuice, but uh, there's like a bunch of you know weird monster faces in that movie. But uh, pretty awesome stuff. And Sonata's uh, definitely. I actually used to criticize this ring gear that it was pretty boring. He had like a tank top and then some crazy skull mask and just didn't really right. fit. Now he's got the some kind of pretty intricate blazer thing that he's wearing and the mask and everything and and it's pretty cool. That match was. Definitely, um, you know, probably one of the best, like, straight wrestling matches that you're going to see uh, in a while anyway. And the really great quote from Zack Sabre Jr., who's pissed off and in his backstage comments, he went and he was insulting the American wrestling crowd, saying that, like, uh, you know, this was like uh, reading Shakespeare to a dog. <laughs> you know, showing American wrestling fans proper like pro wrestling is like reading Shakespeare to a dog and, uh, or biblically it would be like casting your pearls before the swine. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s, he's a, he's, I think overlooked when a lot of people are talking that MJF being one of the best, and he is definitely one of the best heels in the business. You got to look at Zack Sabre Jr. Cause he is, he's Tom Cruise. He is. Yeah. And he's, but he's healing. And everybody hates so Tom nice. Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not? That face of Ibs, geez. But then you had um, the first time in a long time, uh, at least, actually the first time ever in a New Japan ring was Kenta versus Kota Ibushi in um, a very hard-hitting, stiff, uh, I guess strong-style match, very much uh, trying to pull that old Kenta out. I don't think he was as um, vicious as yeah. we used to see. Yeah. But then again, how many so- shoulder surgeries has he gone through? You know, Is that why he wears that sock on his arm? Uh, I guess it, it was. He wasn't wearing it here. No. Um, no, no, he was. Was he? Yeah, yeah. I saw some Okay, clips. maybe he was. Yeah. I'm not remembering. But he's got the scar up on his shoulder and everything. You can, And uh, there's some people criticizing that he, uh, he wasn't looking. This is, again, this thing. He wasn't looking in the best ring shape. Right. You know, because they're saying maybe he's got, he's had a hard time to get his physique back uh, since he's been out for an incredible amount of time with his shoulder injury. But, I mean, if you compare him to what he used to do as Kenta in Noah, yeah, uh, yeah, he was definitely not as vicious. You know, well, you know, the thing is, I got to draw like a, a cross parallel here too. You know, every time Metallica puts out a new album. Everybody's saying like, yeah, or is this going to be like, you know, master of puppets again? Like, are they finally going to go back there? Yeah. And do, you know, yeah, yeah. classic Metallica. And you know what? When you're 50 some odd years old, <laughs> yeah. 
that time has already passed. Yeah, yeah. You're never, ever going to do Master of Puppets 2. No. Because it's not in you to begin with. Mm. That, you know, the, the, the angst and the urgency of youth is gone. That, yeah. That certain, it's it's an era. It's it's a certain kind of a, a time period of your life where every, like, let's say about every five to ten years, something in your life, there's a, there's a click yeah. and something changes. Yeah, exactly. And you, you can never go back. That's the thing. It's like, you know, you know, Chris Rock is a, you know, great comedian. I don't yeah. know if you, you probably yeah, heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said that, you know, woman cannot go backwards in lifestyle. Mm, yeah. You know? and, and wrestlers cannot go backwards stylistic or like, you know, what they were in their, in their younger days or whatever. You can only alter uh, and morph into the next phase or the next version of whatever you are. So it's like. Exactly. You're Matt Hardy 2.0. Yeah, and, and the thing is, a lot of people forget that, uh, like Kenta, wrestling in WWE as uh, as um, Hideo Itami, you know, uh, he hasn't wrestled this style, mm-hmm. and apparently he's, just like it seems like it's John Moxley, it was dying to get hit with a barbed wire chair or something, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it seems like he's been dying to get, like, punched in the face, you know, full-blown, stiff you know, old school, uh, Masawa style or something. Well, maybe you know? the thing is, maybe it's a case of like finding your sea legs again, you know, it's like, there's mm. a certain transition period Yeah, and, and you got to get back in the groove. It's kind of like, you know, jamming with like, you know, your old band, you know, yeah. you finally got together with the, with the boys once again, and you yeah. remember how good these guys were and, you, and you've been playing like with garage bands, you know, in the, in the interim. For sure. And now then you come back to like Deep Purple and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. Yeah. But the thing is like, I'm not definitely not, definitely not saying this match was a stinker because this was a a fantastic match. Right. But, but uh, it could have been. If people are expecting a carbon copy of Kenta in Noah, it's, he's not there yet. Maybe he just, he just needs more time to get in the groove. Maybe, maybe he won't get back to that full you know, hundred percent as he used to be, but in a lot of ways, if he, if he just like gets more comfortable with the way that he looked here, I'm, I'm totally happy with that. You know, hundred percent. I think he's doing a great job and he picks up the win. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately the go to sleep, uh, that he issued maybe wasn't the best I've ever seen, but then again, that match, that move is uh, in my opinion, pretty freaking dangerous anyway, mm-hmm. you know, if it goes wrong, but, but it looked, it looked good enough. Uh, maybe the commentary, kind of botched it by, you know, saying he got nailed Ibushi right in the face. And then when you see the replay, it was pretty clearly in the, like the chest and shoulder area or whatever, very much not missing the face. So maybe that was like something, but then again, uh, a very good match. And, uh, then you had your main event and the place like erupted like crazy. I'd never heard a crowd that loud, you know, you know, even from just from watching the TV, uh, it was just nuts. The crowd was, uh, I mean, in the, in a lot of ways, it was a big crowd for uh, for a pro wrestling show. But you know, maybe the venue was the improper choice. But uh, it was Kazuchika Okada versus uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. A lot of people have said that this rivalry has been uh, the rivalry of the last what is it, uh, fifteen years? As in, like this you know, flare and steamboat kind of, uh, has it been 15 already? I don't know how many years, at least 10 in the last 15 years, this has been the rivalry or in new Japan. Yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, some people say in, in pro wrestling, not including sports entertainment, but, uh, you you know, I don't know. Um, 
But anyway, so the American people have been begging to see an Okada versus Tanahashi match, so they got it, and it was good. Very good, in fact. And um, How beat up was Tanahashi, though? You know, he didn't look as beat up as he has looked uh, in the last match, I think, uh, versus Jay White. He looked really bad in that, in, in terms of, like, that he showed his injuries. Yeah. You know, uh, he's a great wrestler, even when he's injured, so... You know, here he looked much better. But the, uh-huh. the interesting story now is that in every single G1 that uh, Kazuchika Okada and Tanahashi have met, they have always went to a draw. And this time, uh, with a lot of time to spare, Kazuchika Okada wins. With classic, I think it was like the spinning tombstone, you know, pull him up, Rainmaker, and get the one, two, three. So I guess this is showing that Tanahashi kind of doesn't have it in him anymore to go the distance with Okada for these kind of things. And Well, that story's going to have to play itself out, you know, at least some point. Yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, so, And there's always, you know, a way to come back from that so that, you know, he's got to prove himself one more time kind of thing. So, you know, it's, uh, but that's the inevitable crooks, the turning point, the yeah. fork in the road. Exactly, yeah. It comes to everybody. And I mean, like the match was like phenomenal, really, really good match. And uh, the crowd, I think, gave this match like a, an extra star, you know, if that's a thing. But because the crowd just, you could tell how much they appreciated it and um, they they gave it all of their energy, even after, that, even this being the main event. This was like as if they saved their energy for here, even though they were loud the whole night. But then the elephant in the room... Um, was that uh, there was enough space for quite a lot of elephants in that room. You know, there well, was... There you go. There was 40... Four, 40. There was 4,800 uh, seats filled, whether that's tickets sold or, or, or whatnot. Or just, or just people in seats. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in, a, in the American Airlines Center, which is holding roughly around 20,000 people. So under one quarter full. Yeah. And um, it's, you know... When NXT runs Dallas, I've, I've heard that they, you know, I could be I could be lying, but it's uh, under a thousand in terms of like the buildings that they go to. You really, know, maybe eight hundred, maybe fifteen hundred max. Uh-huh. Of course, if they're going to do a takeover, it's going to be more. But you know, but here you go. You got a lot of fly-ins here as well. But you know, just under five thousand people showed up, and uh, they just should have booked the smaller venue. You know, but then again, uh, it was on Access TV, and Access TV is the New Japan's home in the United States. And who owns Access TV? Mark Cuban, and Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks and the American Airlines Center. So there you go. go. Maybe they get the venue for free. I don't know, Uh but you know, because it's on Access TV and la la la. The thing that I was disappointed with, you know, regardless of the seats, whatever I understand that, uh, you know, the the. I, I like that they're honest where they just don't black out the seats. They don't try to shuffle people around to cover the camera angles or anything like that. I, I, in that way, I like it. I know that it doesn't look good to especially American audience. Because um, there was one shot of Tanahashi going for his high fly flow. And literally, in the background, there was no people. It was all empty seats. Wow. You know? And this that's the camera shot that they got him climbing up, right. you know, and it's all this epic, he's going for the big thing, and there's just nobody there. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, an empty arena match all of a sudden. Jeez. 
So there's, but then again, I guess they don't, they're not considering that, or they they're not、uh, they're thinking that maybe moving people around and filling those areas where they're going to shoot is cheating or something. But the thing that disappointed me the most was that the、uh, the production value of the set was literally zero. There was a black, giant black、uh, background, like back black curtain, I guess, masking, and then a semicircle truss, like metal truss that had a few lights hung on it,、right. and that was your entrance ramp. You well, know, it's kind of like it reminds me of、uh, about maybe ten years ago or so. They had Black Sabbath in Helsinki at Hardwall Arena. Oh yeah. And it was a stripped-down show. They 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 literally had no backdrop whatsoever. Oh yeah, it was just a plain stage, and that was it. Right. And it's like I, I thought to myself, it's like this is Black Sabbath. Yeah. You know, there should be something. Yeah, you got to have something. I mean, it, it can't be just like this bland. But、uh, it was stripped down, and、uh, still the people enjoyed it. So, and I think that's like okay. You put the emphasis on the wrestling, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the wrestling was like top notch here. So, so that's the thing. It's like you know, you take away the bells and the whistles, and it's well, we're we're offering you wrestling. We're not offering you a, a rock and roll、uh, rally show or whatever. Like, a, like what, what do they call that? Like what Raw is nowadays? It's a variety show. We're not offering you a variety yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. So, but ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get back into the thick of things with TNA, or should I say, Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary? After a word from our sponsors. Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low octane gas in a turbocharged high end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best Skip Nutrition. That's Skip dot fi. S K I P dot fi. Red Skull Hot Sauce, fiery sauce focused on flavor, made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R E D D Skull Hot Sauce on Facebook and Instagram. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So this past weekend was、uh, TNA's. I keep on saying TNA, <laughs> but it's it's Impact Wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and their their big show Slammiversary, and、uh, for the first time ever. A pay per view in North America, headlined by an intergender match. This oh yeah, time, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tessa Blanchard, who, if anybody's going to be the female counterpart in that, then absolutely the right choice. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you just don't get any better、uh, against Sammy Callahan. And、uh, just before I came here to the studio today, I watched this match, and it was damn good. I mean, it was like really freaking damn good. Yeah,、uh, so much so that I mean, it it took me back for a second. Like, like it, I was taken aback. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, and you know, like let's see, you probably would have thought that going in on paper, it would be good.、Mm. 
but maybe not that good. Right. Yeah. But it was. It it exceeded expectations. Now I wanted to ask ask you actually because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you haven't been the biggest fan of intergender singles uh, matches. I'm still not. Yeah. To this day, I'm not. Yeah. Right. But I, this, I, I don't think it does any favors for either party. Right. Right. But what do you think that did this? Uh, make you a believer or was this just uh, like an isolated it's an isolated thing yeah. it's it, it's it's the exception to the rule i mean there, there's a way to do it a way not to do it yeah um i think they found a way to do it mm. you know? of course like i i guess it's it's not an idea that now tessa should be going for the heavyweight championship because if you look at who's holding the belt there you know with brian cage or well tessa wrestled brian cage at this wrestle circus in texas i think it was like a few years ago oh yeah and she said on this one podcast that um, that's her favorite match of all time, maybe like to date. Okay, yeah. So that's worth checking out if you if you guys listening want to you know see the see that match. It's on YouTube. I found it actually a couple of days ago. Um, so Brian Cage versus Tessa Blanchard, Wrestle Circus. But anyway, yeah. Uh, getting back to this, yeah. So I mean, I've wrestled intergender tags before. Um, like three way or three way, three, three person tags. And then also straight up two person, two on two tags. Yeah. Uh, pretty much mostly in Japan. Mm. Uh, I had some really damn good people in the ring, of course. So it was like Siri Kondo, who was now, she just finished up, I think her UFC contract, but, uh, like she was no slouch. No, she was the kickboxing champion of Japan. Oh, right. And you know, so she was my tag partner. And then on the other side. More often than not, it was uh, Asuka, Kana. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, from back in the day. Can't go um, wrong, really. No, geez. I mean, it was like it was like some solid shizat for sure. Mm. Uh, but those were tags. And there's a way also, you know, always to like, you know, change and, and get out of that match in a tag. So let the girls do their thing. And, and you know, you're in there for just a moment, you know, with the inter- intergender aspect. But yeah. You're, you're not in there for an extensive period of time. Right. So it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't like do you any disservice. Like overall, let's say if you're going to go for a, a heavy a heavyweight championship title or whatever down the line, yeah, that uh, that there's nothing there that compromises, you know, either party. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's important. Yeah, because the thing is that you know, like, there's just so many people, and and I think this is a phenomenon that's like a pop culture thing, mm. where like. If I draw a parallel, once again, Star Wars, when it came out, right? How many Star Wars babies were born after Star Wars? In other words, like Star Wars was the hit thing. Yeah. Then, then after Star Wars, you had all these sci-fi flicks starting to come out. Right? Yeah, yeah, And that's series true. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right, so there's always copycats. Mm. Of every single thing out there, there's always copycats. <laughs> Slayer babies. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. So, uh, and, the, and the same thing applies to pro wrestling. So like once you, like the wrestling business, the way it works and it seemingly keeps on like working this way is that, uh, these indies more often than not copy what they see being like semi-successful or then rather successful on a larger stage. Now that larger stage stage can be national or it can be like Japanese, Mm. or then it could just be like something which is, that has really good televised, let's say production values. Yeah. And they'll copy what they see and just try to make it their own, which in a way is really backyard. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. 
uh, and and this, but this has played itself out really extensively. Now, I, like I, I hear that in America, the, the the big thing right now is intergender batches in general. So, like on oh, the really? Indies, yeah, you're going to get a lot of intergender, uh, and and it's it's selling. I mean, people, you know, they're buying sure tickets to see it. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's new. You know, it's, it hasn't really been beaten to death yet. Yeah, no, well, there's uh, there's a point. Yeah, so there you go. But once again, I mean, the thing is, where do you go from there? Like once you, you know, and and like if you can't have a guy the size of Brian Cage punch a girl in the face. You, you you can't. It's true. It's the end of the game, right yeah, there. Yeah. You know, game over. Boom. Yeah. Actually, I was uh, just to interject really quick, but I was watching a uh, Al Snow had a really really great talk about uh, punching and why it should be like for sure illegal and in in, uh, in wrestling, and I really agreed with it. So uh, we should talk about that. Actually, I wanted sure. just remind me on a maybe on another show, but. Uh, but yeah, continue. I just that just jogged the memory about the punching. But that is exactly it. If, yeah. if Brian Cage punched Tessa Blanchard square in the face, you it's know, over. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it, and there's so few people in in the wrestling business that can punch well. That's the whole thing too. Yeah. In in this match in this Slammiversary main event, uh, Tessa, there was some really good shots where she punched Callahan right in the forehead. Mm. Right, but they were really good punches. I've said it before that Tessa Blanchard has the best punches out of any girl yeah. in the wrestling business. Mm. I think that her punches are by far, uh, like just technically, as sound yeah. uh, as as you can get. I agree. Um, so when she punched Callahan, I think that it was there was a, a sense of deliberation there, mm. right? So. Uh, nothing bad to say about that, honestly. Um, otherwise the, the, the card top to bottom. Yeah. So we open up with an X division style match Four guys in the ring, fatal four way, Willie Mack, Jake Christ, TJP and Trey Miguel. Yeah. So, uh, no idea who this Trey Miguel really is, but, uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, TJP being the former TJ Perkins, I guess the cruiserweight classic winner from WWE. Yeah, a couple of years ago, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. Yeah, uh, Willie Mack, who just recently was, if I recall, the NWA was at, what's that one title they had? National. Was it Na- the yeah, National, National Championship. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Um, I kind of see Willie Mack, like, how could I say, just like as a visual, not wrestling-wise, not, not what yeah. he does in the ring, but I see him as almost like a modern-day junkyard dog. Mm, yeah. I, I totally can see it. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have quite the charisma though of J, uh, mm. you know, JYD. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's what they were going for in NWA with him mm. as that national champion. Hmm. Yeah, I think they were trying to pick up that old school vibe. Um, in this match, though, if you look at the way he wrestled in TNA, uh, no, sorry, uh, in in uh, NWA versus now in Impact, yeah, it's a different guy. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that he stripped down his offense and his uh, repertoire in NWA. Yeah, to kind of be a bit more yeah, old to, school. Yeah, to to try to maybe cater to that idea. I mean, like once again, this is my own thought. Yeah, but still, to cater to the idea of maybe being a a new school JYD. Right, right. Which I think worked better mm. because when you got all these guys nowadays, like. Let's say the cruiserweights are the guys on this level, the cruiserweight style. Yeah. And everybody's doing the same style. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. True. It, nobody's standing out because everybody's doing the same free. It's too crisp, too clean. It's too, too choreographed. Um, 
And it, like, once again, it's like when everybody's special, no, nobody's special. That's the whole thing. It's like a, a room full of beautiful women. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Playboy magazine. It's like when you got 10 tens, who stands out? Well, there you go. Nobody. And, and that's, I'm not dissing the tens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Scarlet Bordeaux say, or would say that, uh, shut up, you fives. There's a tens hawking. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this match was a, a spot fest. In, uh, but there are there's a big group of people that, that want to see that. And I guess it also is kind of... But it's every opener on every impact. I was about to say that, that uh, it's the opening match like kind of formula it seems now that uh just the faces change yeah like if you just if you put a mask on these guys it's the mm-hmm. same match well yeah i agree like that the opening match is like you get 10 minutes and do as many flips as you can do and, yeah and the thing is like the, the spots are so convoluted they're they're mm-hmm. so choreographed you can see it coming a mile away there's a there's no sense of realism there yeah yeah like i'm not buying anything and that's the thing that you're popping people you're popping the crowd based on athletic spots yeah and that's it that's just like there's way too much collusion Mm. yeah well um i guess in that way it's like a you know warming up the crowd but if you have a match like this that is uh that kind of shows the uh how would you say not well hard to use the word but the fakeness you know kind of that it kind of pulls that veil away then it in a way, it leaves that Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard to have that very real match. It makes it almost more difficult, or it makes it more shocking. You know, I don't know what's what's the what's the real reality, but uh, yeah, maybe it's it, maybe it's just that like TNA is is or like once again Impact, whatever, yeah, yeah. is so typecast that they're that X Division style. It's yeah, when you get signed up, when you're like one of those wrestlers on that crew you know what your spot is. You know what what's expected of you. Mm. So you got to hang on that level and just do that spot, 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 spot. Um, once again, it's like, I think the analogy stands to be true that when everybody's a spotty guy, nobody stands out. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you need diversity. You need like, I was, you know, we were, I was talking with uh, Fumi Saito, who we've had on the show a couple of times. Uh, and it's the thing is that I used to say that when I, back in the old, like the eighties era, new Japan, all Japan, uh, yeah. the, the, the TV, they used to have like really odd matchups. They would have like Ricky steamboat against the original Sheik. Okay. And, and I would say to Fumi, you know, when, when we would converse about this, that that's like a horrible disservice to Ricky steamboat. He, I mean, what can he do with the Sheik? He's a great athlete. Mm. He can't do nothing with the Sheik. True. Yeah. And Fumi said, "No, you're wrong. It's not. That's not how the uh, Japanese people see it. They, they see it as a great mystery as to how are these two styles going to mesh. Uh-huh. When you put this guy against this guy, how is that like the the entire like how you say, it's like north versus south, it's east uh, yeah. versus west. It's, they're so far apart from each other. Hmm. How are they going to make it work? Like intriguing. That's the injury. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's where you need different styles that not everybody wrestles the same." That's like where guys like Kamala back in the day or Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. You know, they, they had a place on the card. They were unique and they stood out because of that fact. Even Tiger Jeet Singh, who I think is a horrible wrestler, but as as like a unique piece of talent, yeah, he's he's got a spot on the card for sure. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. What did you think about the uh, 
the tag team match, this three-way as well. You know what? I For a second there, like even for a few seconds, uh, this the Rascals. Yeah. I didn't even think that they were in the match. <laughs> no, I, I just yeah, I thought it yeah. was straight up. I thought it was just the North, that Ethan Page and Josh Alexander against the the Latin American Exchange, LAX. Yeah. Ortiz and Santana. I thought I thought it was just like that. And then the two I thought the we, we just had like two guys outside the ring just interfering. Yeah, oh yeah. I I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh yeah. Yeah, I mean it's I you know, and that said, the rascals were an afterthought. And that's not a good thing. No, but I guess like uh you know, LAX is they're they're the big tag team in in uh, impact for now, you know, since TNA in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, in the north, I, I actually I really dig them so far. Um, maybe it's uh, being them being from Canada or something like that. But uh, uh-huh. I don't know. But I think that they they seem to be like really well rounded as a tag team. I think it's it's I haven't seen that much, but so far it's been okay. The Rascals they I've seen some good stuff from them, but I guess they are in this way, weirdly the afterthought, like maybe they just needed a third team here just to do some stuff. But, um, I, I guess they tried to do some kind of injury angle as well here with, uh, Santana, um, where he, I guess like, you know, they were really going that Conan was saying, grab a, uh, get the doctor or something like that. Yeah, we yeah. need help. And, you know, um, for, um, uh, kind of like taking him out of the match or whatnot. But, you know, I thought this was, this was okay. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it wasn't just uh But too many convoluted spots again. I mean, it is like the mm. same as the opener. Yeah. Same criticism befalls the second match. Yeah. And I would even almost know. argue that this was the same match. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just different guys. Same match continued. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you're right. Um, underwhelming, like in that aspect, I, I didn't think once again that anybody stood out here. Right. So, but all of a sudden we get to match number three. It's Eddie Edwards against Killer Cross. And then business starts to pick up. First blood match too. First blood. Yeah. Yeah. And and this was a good match. I mean, it, it honestly was. I was like, when Eddie Edwards originally became kind of like the, the new hardcore wrestler, I thought to myself, why? Yeah. I actually had the same feeling. Like, like what is he doing? Yeah. What, why him out of, out of all the people, like what's, what's in it for him? And then. I didn't buy it at first when he beat Tommy Dreamer in that one thing. And yeah, that was also an impact show. But now against Killer Cross, this was good. I mean, it it really, there's, there's more meat on the bone uh, when it comes to this Eddie Edwards, I don't know what crazy psychopathic or whatever you want to call it. Right. Type of wrestler. Um, He's developed in that, in that role. So, I think the Killer Cross actually carried carried his weight rather well here. Mm. This was a very decent match, and and that first blood aspect, breaking a kendo stick or whatever it was, yeah, bamboo stick, and, and uh, then shoving it down Killer Cross's mouth. Yeah, yeah. So you're drawing blood from the uh, from the mouth, which was a unique way to get first blood. Yeah, I've never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, uh, and he calls that Kenny the kendo stick. <laughs> Al Snow had head and yeah, he's got Kenny go. so who, yeah. who killed I guess he killed Kenny there you go <laughs> <laughs> maybe the, he I snapped wonder. it in half he killed Kenny there you go yeah but well, then uh, we got uh, and that, yeah that was a really good a really good match very interesting and I was impressed by Killer Cross was it you who was telling me that he was 
Threat. He was uh, reportedly threatening to leave or something there. No, I don't think so. Not oh, him. then I must have heard but his, it. But his girlfriend took off, right? Yeah. Scarlett Bordeaux. That's uh, they were yeah that's yeah, right they were off, a couple yeah. yeah but I heard heard that uh, he had he had threatened some kind of like I want more money or you know I got interest in other places or you know I don't know what how truth these rumors are but well the thing is that I mean wrestlers are always it's like Jim Ross once said that it's when wrestlers leave it's over one of the two C's it's either cash or creative yeah that said I have to say one thing right here um, I was just talking with a few different vets in the business. Mm. And uh, there seems to be a real problem with the newer crop of wrestlers coming up nowadays. And it is that they have no morals hmm. whatsoever. They have no character in the sense that they will drop bookings at, at the drop of a hat. Yeah, that uh, kind of character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they will, they will like, screw you over uh, with money. Hmm. They'll be looking for, like, looking for advances or whatever, like, that they won't even pay back if they fuck you on it. Wow. Um, and this, this honestly is, it's a new school thing. And it, mm. and I think it has to do, like, I've been really hard on the millennials. Like, and I think maybe it's my, just my generation, you know, I'm a baby boomer and, uh, millennials are the next yeah. cream of the crop. There you go. But so, so the thing is that, um, but, but there is a certain stigma with people of this ilk, like of this younger generation, let's say between the 20, their twenties and their thirties. Uh, in the wrestling business today. And it's it's a problem because the thing is that the as a promoter and as a booker, as a business owner, you can't trust these people. Mm. So when you have somebody and they try to screw you with either money or then with not keeping their word, not showing up, you bought them a plane ticket or whatever and they and they just don't bother no. to show yeah. up. Or then they, they they'll tell you that no, I'm I'm just not coming or or whatever. Back in the day, the old school mentality was this. If you can carry your head in a basket, you show up. Yeah. It doesn't matter how hurt you are. doesn't matter how sick you are. Nowadays, it's like if you got a headache or you got got a a flu or whatever, well, I'm just going to stay home tonight. Man, you would lose your job. Yeah. If that was back in the day, they would drop you right then and there. It's like, Mm -hmm. never come back. Yeah. And nowadays, people just get away with with murder, with literal murder. Yeah. It is pretty weird. It used to be... You know, I, I think this is the the wrong way to do it, but, you know, it used to be the promoter screwing the wrestlers, Yeah. you know, and yeah. now is it some kind of payback that the wrestlers screw promoters? Because, I mean, it doesn't work. Well, the thing is, know? I mean, unless you got a stage to perform on, unless you got a, an, an event where yeah. you can wrestle, yeah. well, you ain't going to be there. You no, know, it's exactly. like you, you won't be in front of anybody. You're just going to be on the internet just making noise. So, so if you screw the promoter, the dumbest thing you can do, because the word spreads around. Oh, yeah. And once the word starts spreading, you're only as good as your word. Therefore, your name is shame. And when your name is shame, try to recoup that. So anybody listening out there who's ever either contemplated trying to screw over a booker or a promoter, or then if you've done it, you have to understand your name is shame and word gets around. And once you screw somebody, there's only, there's certain people like myself that, you know, you'll only screw me over one time. Yeah. And one, it's one and you're done. Yep. Right? Well, that makes, that should, that's so, the way it should be. Yeah. So if Killer Cross was, uh, you know, if he, if he was standing up the company for more money, I don't know what the deal was, or I'd never heard about that, but yep. hey, Ultimate Warrior did that to Vince McMahon back mm-hmm. in 1992. Yeah, yeah. Wembley Stadium, SummerSlam. You know, he had that match with Macho Man. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he got back from that match, 
As soon as he got back, Vince said, you're fired. Mm, there you go. And, he's right, and he tried to stand him up from what I, from what I recall. Uh, just before he went out for the match, he said, I, it's either double pay or, it's, or I'm, yeah, I'm walking. I remember that. And then whatever concession was made was made. And then as soon as he came back, pack your bags, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Well, that's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, people got to work together, you know. It doesn't matter if you're Vince McMahon or, you know, Ultimate Warrior or Moose, in fact, from Impact, you know. It's That's it. You, you, and the thing is reliability. Number yeah. one thing, like in, in any relationship, whether it's romantic, whether it's a, a working relationship, whether it's a friendship, whatever, but being reliable. Yeah. Reliability. Huge word. Folks, write yeah, it down. That is On paper. Thing. Think about what that word means. In the pro wrestling world, I think that that's probably the thing, especially in the independent circuit. Reliability is like, it's almost the most important part. Yeah. It's like, you know, like even asking people for like promos, like you got a mm-hmm. show coming up, right? You got them booked. You ask them for a promo and they'll just give me the, give you these lame ass excuses. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. haven't had the time. Oh, it's just, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't, I don't have a camera. You got a freaking camera on your phone. Yeah. Well, there you Who go. Who the hell are you kidding? Never, that's... You know, so the thing is, it's like all these bullshit excuses and, and just people getting off way too easy. It's like this Google culture where, you know, back in the day you had to go to the library to find information, right? Yeah. Well, Google is the new library. So sure. therefore just punch in your search word and you get your answer in like zero point whatever seconds. And, it's made people incredibly lazy. Yeah. All this technology that we rely, or that, that we, we, we consistently rely on, uh, the navigator, for example, your Tom, Tom, yeah, yeah. you don't have to use your brain, like navigate, like actually think where you have to go in your head, draw yeah. a map in your head. How exactly. many people can do that anymore? Right. It makes you more stupid. So therefore it's like, I think it's what I deem to be Google culture. I know where mm. I'm ranting here, but let me rant because yeah, go ahead. This, this, this is a cultural thing and it's ruining uh, a lot of people's careers down the line that if you can't be held accountable for your word and, and, and like if your character doesn't stand up and all these things are related now that I'm talking about, uh, you know, Sayonar before long, uh, once again, your name is shame and out you go. Nobody's going to use you at the end of the day. So you got to have reliability, but so anyway, killer cross, I have no idea what his deal is that if he was like looking for a better deal than what he got with impact or whatever, if, is that what you heard? I heard, I heard something that he was uh, threatening, uh, to walk, but then again, you know, it's a, it's a rumor. Probably, yeah, yeah. And the thing know. is you got to remember wrestling is a bullshitter's business. So there you go. The thing you can't believe half of what you hear. You actually believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. That's it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Then uh, Moose versus RVD. Ooh, boy, that when this started out, this match, is like I thought to myself, A, where's the heat? B, where's the intent? Yeah. Actually, maybe the other way around. A, where's the intent? B, where's the heat? Because mm-hmm. the thing is, the first move, the first few moves of that match were like so gingerly, like, how could you say? Like, they were so careful. Mm. And I thought like Moose trying to prove that, you know, RVD belongs in the retirement home or whatever it was. Hey, you got to lay that shit in, man. Yeah, you do. Like, I mean, make a statement right out of the gate, Mm. but he's being ginger. Yeah, I hear you. And I I haven't, I mean, uh, there's been a few Moose matches that that I've liked, but for the most part, uh, it feels like he should be, he should lay it in a lot, a lot heavier. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as this match wore on, it got better. And the thing is that the crowd got more involved and more invested as the match you know, got yeah. deeper and deeper, but, uh, that said, I mean, I got to say Rob Van Dam is showing his age. Yeah. He, um, he can still move. That's not course. the point. That's not the point. I think this match was too long. 
Yeah. Uh, especially for him. No offense, you know, but uh, he started going pretty darn slow for what, you know, what you want to see out of a, a guy who's having that style, you know. So I, I wanted I wanted it to be shorter. I think that Moose winning is kind of the the way to go. Uh, having the you know the younger or if you call I don't know how old he is, but anyway the at least in experience wise in the ring. Yeah. Um, of course he went over not exactly clean, but um, you know I I really respect Rob Van Dam for. <laughs> for giving his all like that. But I do think it was too, too long, especially for that kind of style. And, uh, but you know, that's my two cents anyway. And once again, if, if, uh, people out there don't know, Rob Van Dam's wife actually uh, wrestles also. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And she works for that WOW, that woman of wrestling, which is run by David McLean, who used to run glow back in the eighties, which now is a Netflix series. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, she, that, that awesome Kong is on that glow. Yeah, she is. Eh? Yeah. She's that, uh, welfare queen. Okay. There you I go. I had no idea. <laughs> right. But somebody pointed it out and I was like, holy crap. Really? That's, uh. but anyway. So Katie Forbes is, uh, Rob Van Dam's wife's name. And, uh, and, uh, She's a she's a looker. She's an interesting looking piece of dime, dime humanity. Piece. Dime piece. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, then uh, we blast over then to a uh, a women's match, and as they call the knockouts title match here, Taya versus Rosemary versus Sue Young versus Havoc, and this was a monsters ball kind of schmozzy hardcore thingamadoodle. Yeah, so. I think this was this was the first. Women's Monsters Ball match. I guess, um, I think the this is their idea that it's just like a anything goes, like a match with a bunch of gimmicks in it. Well, that's what it is. Uh, out of all these people, I mean, it's like, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been really impressed with any one of these four girls in the past. Mm. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of really, of, of any, of any of their work. Uh, Taya Valkyrie, there's something there that for me is a disconnect in a lot of ways. Um, I'm not, I can't quite put my finger on it, what it is, but there's something that I'm just not connecting with. I think otherwise she's pretty good. I think out of all the girls in this match, she was quite frankly, the, the best out of all, all four of them. Yeah. Um, but in the past, what, what I've seen of her and her other matches, there's just something there that I haven't really gotten into. Um, but this match, I think, was better. Like, on paper, I looked at this and I thought to myself, Ugh. Yeah. But when I watched it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> well. It, honestly, it wasn't that bad. Do you think that, uh, like, the thumbtacks and staple guns helped it? No. no the, the staple gun was unnecessary. It was dumb. Yeah. Uh, the thumbtacks, it's it's overdone. It's like that, you know, you're expecting that spot in these matches. Yeah. Don't give people what they expect. A lot of times, you know, if, 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 it's, a, if it's like a given that people know this is what's going to be coming, swerve them. Yeah. Give them something else. Yeah, yeah, for e- sure. Even if it's Legos. Yeah, well, the Legos freaking hurt. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, <laughs> But I'm, I'm saying it could be anything, yeah, yeah. right? You know, it could even be like... For, well, it may be pr- pretty messy, but cherries, 
You know, you're, oh, yeah. you're falling on cherries. They got stones in the cherries. That's right? true. It's, so you need the commentators to be all over that one. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, my point being that uh, even that's unnecessary. It's, I'm joking. Yeah, of course. But um, these girls did better than what this match would have delivered, uh, at least the mental picture of it beforehand. Yeah. Um, it got better as it went on. I think that there was one crazy spot. It was a superplex, uh, onto a ladder. Mm. So it's like they had these, like some kind of, I guess, baking pans or like, I don't know what trays or whatever they were placed on the ladder where the girl giving the superplex, uh, took the, took that on her back. But then, you know, the one coming from the highest height, the one taking the actual superplex came down on the ladder itself, right on the, on the, uh. The, the, rungs step, yeah, the, 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 the rungs or the steps or whatever it was. And I thought to myself that, how do you protect yourself on that? Mm. Yeah. I don't think you can. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it, it's such a high risk move that it's, I don't want to be taking, you know, any superplex on any ladder anytime soon. So I'm looking at that. I'm thinking to myself that, well, well, that's one way to do it. I guess shorten your career. Yeah. Why not? Um, there you go. One way to risk it, you know, where Rip you're... Rip a muscle in the back. Yeah, you are, or then blow out a disc. Yeah. And uh, once again, the question comes, uh, is it necessary? Like, mm. to get a, a response, to get an emotional response from that crowd, was it necessary? And I say no. Yeah. Uh, it is one of those things where that, okay, at least maybe after that show, when people go home, they'll say, oh man, that one superplex, but in a week... Two weeks? Do you think they're going to be talk- talking about that? Yep. Well, that's it. And if they forget about it inside of a week to two weeks, and they, it's not like the hell in the cell with the Undertaker, Mick Foley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where 20 years down the line, they're still talking about it. It's still the standard bearer. It's not like that. It's just another throwaway match. Mm, true. True. So here, here we come down to like, what is the purpose of professional wrestling? Mm? It is to elicit a response from the public on hand. Yeah. Right. Now, if you can get that response by w- without, uh, risking your health, mm. would you rather do that? Or would you want to go the extra mile and just risk your health anyway? It's a, I mean, it's course, a no brainer. Yeah. Like for anybody with a brain in their heads, it's, it's a no brainer. Yep. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rich, Ex- Rich Swan defeating Johnny impact. Uh, X division championship match. Yeah. What did you think about these two guys going at it? I thought it was really good. Yeah. I, I'm, I've never really been a fan of Johnny impact or uh, when he was in WWE, um, he was always athletically super gifted, right? He was always really good athletically. Mm. The thing where he didn't parlay or didn't come across was that he just didn't have the character, the, 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 the depth of character, or how could you say the, the richness of personality. Yeah. And that's where I still feel like him as a heel, he doesn't aggravate me. And I don't, I don't think that his general shtick, the way that he like carries himself, I don't think that there's that, that asshole type of heat where people, it's like, you know, what a prick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that he has that. And Miz had more of that, you know, when it was Miz and yeah. Morrison back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Miz, Miz has that for sure. Yeah. yeah or like, he did anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like as, as a heel. 
Yeah. He's, he's got that prickish mm. heel heat. Totally. Whereas Morrison doesn't. So, and that's, it's, it stands to be mentioned because they were tag team partners. They, mm-hmm. like, after Eminem broke up and then it was Miz and Morrison for quite a while. Yeah. So this really, you know, you look at their career paths and you look at how they've developed as personalities, not as wrestlers. Yeah. As personalities. Miz has gotten farther personality-wise than has Morrison. True. Yeah, I think Morrison is, like, too laid back. Like, he's yeah. too, like, you know... Nonchalant. Exactly. That uh, Maybe that's just who he is, right? So it's uh, quite hard to, maybe just quite hard to get that out of him. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, I mean, it was, and I, I've always, I've always thought that uh, Johnny Impact, he's a ridiculous athlete, that's for sure. But for some reason, his, and he's like doing a lot of strikes. Mm. I've just never found that his strikes are on the level of, uh, you know, uh, somebody at the top of this striking game. They, they Deliberation. Always seem, they always seem to be just kind of weak. This, like, running, was that shining wizard knee business mm. or something like that just never looked, it just looked too clean and, like, the flow, it just flowed. Yeah. You know, it didn't look yeah. like there was an impact. Well, that's the thing. The, the word is, like, honestly, deliberation. Yeah. Um Intent. Mm. You need to have intent behind your blows, your strikes. Uh, I think that's the one thing in Japan for the longest time. I, I'm not sure how it is these days, but I think like in New Japan, at least their dojo, I believe it is still, that uh, the number one thing that you teach a young boy is fire. You teach them yeah. passion. Mm. So whatever you do, whether it's a send, so like an Irish whip, or whether it's a, a strike, a forearm, a chop, a kick, yeah. Or whether it's a body slam, they're all done. Or if you want to use the American term performed <laughs> <laughs> with deliberation. Yeah. Right. So, uh, delivered, I would prefer. Yeah. I, I, I hate that word performer. Yeah. Before, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. These uh, great performer. <laughs> well, I'd rather be known as a great professional wrestler. There you go. Well, that's what you are. Uh, we got then the world title match. Hey, b- before we get yeah, there, sorry, yeah. I, g- I just got to say, Rich Swan, I think, is the best thing that has happened mm. in the X Division in years. Yeah. If yeah. you think of like somebody's a staple, somebody that, that you can put like that title on and have them be the face of that division, I think that he is beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, by and far, that guy. Yeah, I agree. And there's something about him, like when you talk about like, let's say his strikes, and you look at like his kicks and you look at his body language and his fire, uh, everything about him. I, I think that he's really on that level of being just that good. Yeah. I, he's a guy that I would be happy to book for slam wrestling. Like honestly. Yeah. 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 The, the, what he delivers in the ring, I'd be happy to book him. Put it that way. So that's my two cents. On, I'd be happy uh, to ref him yeah, too. There you go. By the way. Rich Swan. <laughs> Remember that ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Formerly of WWE, but uh, Rich Swan. Yeah, there, somebody was uh, saying that wealthy, wealthy seagull or whatever they're trying to make <laughs> make up some other name for him. But anyway, that's comedy gold right there. There it is. I yeah, can hear you all I, I just got it now. <laughs> <laughs> Impact World Title Championship match: Cage Brian Cage versus uh, Michael Elgin. I actually uh, when uh, 
I booked, uh, I had this small wrestling company in Toronto a long time ago, totally bombed. But on the second event I had, I had Michael Elgin on and mm. uh, he was, he was a professional dude. He, he was a uh, very good even back then. So, uh, I'm happy to see him finding success in the wrestling world today. But anyway, he unfortunately loses this title match uh, against Brian Cage. But this was as good of a muscle head against muscle head match that you'll see. Yeah. I no mean, kidding. and Elgin, he's got fire, man. He's got like, like when he was running that corner and he was crunching cage in the corner, man, I thought to myself, I haven't seen a guy run a corner like that in years. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was like a, a steamroller, not, not a steamroller. He was like a freight train. Yeah. Like literally boom. And, uh, like for guys of that size, like we're talking muscle, muscle bound muscularity. Yeah. Yeah. They move exceptionally well. This is not Don the Rock Morocco against uh, Dino Bravo. No, no. This this is something else. This is like, I, I guess, this hyper-athletic muscle man kind of matches, you know? Yeah. That uh, it's actually really spectacular to watch. And uh, as you said, Michael Elgin being like ridiculously hard-hitting. Um, and he was just doing quite a... I guess he just left New Japan. He, he didn't re-sign with them or I don't know what the... Uh, the dealings were there. He had mm-hmm. a bit of a controversial situation last year. Hmm. Uh, I mean, if anybody wants to check it out, I mean, it's it's, it's very controversial. That uh, just pass it by me. I, I never. Yeah, heard it was. Uh, he was. I think he was promoting uh, his own company, or at least booking, or had something to do. And one of the wrestlers uh, that he was booking had some kind of alleged rape charges. Okay, and. Um, he booked the guy anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, or I can't remember exactly what happened. It had something to do with this, and that the person who claimed that they had been raped had informed Elgin about it, uh, so he had known that there was something going on, and then he told her, you should go to the cops then, and she didn't go to the cops. I don't know. It's very, it's totally re- all blown all over the place. I, nobody knows, I guess, the real story, but hmm. he got a lot of heat. And um, basically, if even though he didn't, I guess, as far as I understand, he didn't, he wasn't accused of anything other than uh, booking some, like, accused rapist, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, nobody wanted to book him in North America for for a period of time. So, um, you know, and, uh, and he had some somebody leaked a text message that he supposedly had uh, said that uh, Jeff Cobb, uh, who was his tag team partner doing a New Japan tournament, uh, which was a great team, he had said that Jeff Cobb's not getting over as a foreigner. And, uh, you know, that him, Elgin and Omega are the the two aces of the uh, Gaijin, like, whatever. I don't know. Maybe talk. But this is, again... Who knows? You know, I don't know. Is this the real deal? Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as I know from him, he's a professional dude, but... Uh, Reminds me of this one saying that, uh, be careful of the toes that you step on. Yeah. Because they might be walking all, all over you tomorrow. Mm. So, but I'm happy that he's uh, he's here in Impact and, and doing a... He looks like he's got a fire going under him, so that's really good. That's good, yeah. It's it's definitely a, a chance for him to like maybe even redeem himself or whatever whatever his uh, problems were with that deal that you just talked about. But anyway, he was like he impressed me in this match. So good for Michael Elgin, and uh, hope to see more of him. Then we had the main event, 
it was Sammy Callahan, as we talked about just a bit earlier, against Tessa Blanchard <coughs> as an intergender match. First time yeah. on a national level or a national scale where they had uh, this, the woman versus man match as as a featured uh, main event. Yeah. And uh, this, if it wasn't Tessa, it could not have been anybody else. That's the whole thing. There was only one given. There was only one wrestler who could have pulled this off from the female side and that was Tessa. Yeah. Well, like hands down. Hands, she, like, she pulled it off. And she did. And she did. And, and kudos to her. She's just so damn good. I, I would really like to book Tessa Blanchard for slam wrestling here in the Nordics. I think that, uh, just my personal opinion, but I think that out of all the girls in North America today, I think that she is by far the, in my opinion, the best. She is, yeah. um, there's a lot of good ones out there. It's, it's not a knock on anybody. I'm just saying that there are, there's a pecking order and there is, I think there's a, there's always a case for, you know, that somebody stands at the top of the mountain. Somebody is the absolute peak yeah. of the industry, you know? And I think that she has that drive, you know, the, as I follow her on, um, social media, she, uh, she has this undeniable hashtag, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and she, a lot of her, of her interviews, she talks about when she started out that, uh, <coughs> she wasn't all that good in the beginning and Magnum TA, uh, her stepdad came out, uh, up to her one time and, and just told her the brutal truth. She said, you know, you're honestly, you're just not that good, but I mean, you got, you have heart. And, and she took it to heart. She didn't, you know, let it get her down. She just, okay, I got to, I have to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I have to up the ante. I've got to, you know, improve my game. And she's gotten a fire lit under her ass where, you know, er, like she's, she's in, in shape. She's Mm. incredibly fit. Yeah. Really strong. Very. And, uh, has a great look, great charisma, great ring entrance. She has her mannerisms down. She has her, uh, her shtick, so to speak. And her wrestling skills, and, yeah. she, and she's got that fire, man. She there, she's the total package. I think that uh, down the line, if you could take uh, quote unquote take the gloves off of Charlotte Flair in WWE, if you yeah. could, if you could just let her be uh, without any restrictions, wrestle to her, you know, to her umpteenth level, yeah, and put her in the ring on that level against mm. Tessa, that would be a dream match. Oh yeah. That would be something to see. Yeah. So anyway, that was Slammiversary. So Ka- Sammy Callahan, in the end, pile driving, spike pile driver to Tessa Blanchard, clean win one, two, three, show of respect at the end. Tessa brought out a golden baseball bat mm. uh, in her ring entrance. And uh, at the end, Sammy Callahan pile drove her and, and, and he had his own black baseball bat. He basically picked up both bats at the end, handed one, uh, the, the golden one, back to Tessa as a show of respect. And I guess that they're going to be doing this tag team pay-per-view or some big tag team show down the line. I forget which one it's called, but, right. uh, from what I heard, it's going to be, uh, Tessa and Sammy Callahan teaming up. Really? Yeah, Interesting. Ta- tag team. So yeah. there, there you have it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that the story wise, the, the story inside, just inside the ropes, you know, that, uh, it seems, seemed as though it was really, really well done. The oh, intensity yeah. was just turned up. And, Timing, everything. And that ending, mm-hmm. I think, was like really quite perfect. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, very cinematic, but in a very good way, you know. Uh, so 
Quite cool. But yeah, I guess um, we're going to take a break and come back and talk some more shizad about stuff going on uh, on some Monday night shows and I guess Tuesday night shows as well. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, shooting the shizad. We'll take a break with our sponsors. See you soon. Estrada Creative Helsinki, your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, Editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. And we are back. Thank you for hanging in there with us yet again on Shooting the Shizad. It's a bit toasty here. It's not that actually hot outside, really, but it's... It's just a bit muggy in the studio. Yeah. yeah. Our our man sweat is... uh, Hanging around a bit longer than it should. It's but. a good thing they, there ain't no females here because they'd be like uh, dropping like flies and just going dizzy. <laughs> this is a locker room. But, uh, you know, have you ever had that before, by the way? Mm. I, I'm going to go on a limb and just be very politically incorrect for a, a moment here. But All uh, right. I remember this one this one uh, lady once walked into a, uh, the guy's locker room. I, I forget what her purpose was, in, but she was just like, um, she was she was somebody. And then she just made a note, a mental note out loud, said that, uh, oh, you can really like uh, smell the testosterone in here. Yeah. Yeah. And she said uh, she, she was getting lightheaded, like from the testosterone, right? All right. So I just wanted to throw that in there as a public service announcement. There you go. Okay. On to, on to Monday nights. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Monday nights we got, uh, as I guess we mentioned and everybody's mentioned in the whole world that Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff have taken over or have been placed in a newly, uh, position of what is that position? Executive producer? Yeah. I guess like something the, like that. The, they're the head writers of yeah. the, uh, so Bischoff is doing, uh, SmackDown and Heyman is doing Raw. Yeah. And so far... It's been shizat. <laughs> not in a good way. Not like shooting the shizat. It's been shit. Yeah. I mean, uh, the biggest changes that I saw is that they swore. They they said a naughty word there on the Monday. Oh, they slipped one? Yeah, that uh, Corey Graves said, oh, shit. And, uh, oh, you should have said just shizat. Oh, yeah, shizat. I don't know you get away with that. But yeah, uh, yeah. And then they gave the, the half finger from Kobe King- Kingston there. But... As for actual wrestling, it seems like it's gotten more confusing. This past week, there was an intergender tag team match, uh-huh. and it was elimination. Was that what it was? Elimination intergender match, but uh, men couldn't wrestle women, and women couldn't wrestle men. Mm-hmm. So, it as an elimination match, it kind of didn't make any sense. So, what? How did that play out? Well, I don't, I don't know. They you didn't watch it. <laughs> what, am, <laughs> what am I, you know, a WWE fan? No. The, I'm just saying, uh, of course, I want it to be good, but it's, uh, no, I mean, uh, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I just hear the, the shizat trickling down. And the, this is the thing that it's like, if, you know, when I go to see, am I going to watch it? And then I check out 
you know, what happened or should, is it worth me watching? And people are just complaining that this was the stupidest, one of the stupidest, I think that was the big word, stupidest Raws they've ever seen. Is this the one where they had uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch against Andrade and uh, yeah. Zelina Vega? Yeah, okay. like of course Seth Rollins and Andrade had a good match, yeah, yeah. but then it was like uh, Becky Lynch uh, eliminated um, uh, Zelina. Yeah, Zelina. And uh, then what is Becky Lynch is out of the match too, you know? But what is it's a, well? It's uh, kind of like a, a, just an odd thing, you know? That's, I guess that's where you have like uh, one of the heel girls come down and just take out Becky immediately afterwards. But it didn't right? happen. Yeah, okay. There so uh, it, she just ha- hung out on the apron. They they took, you know, the eliminated uh, to the back, and then uh, Becky hung out on the apron. As if she was waiting for a tag, but of course he, she couldn't receive a tag because uh-huh. women couldn't fight men and men couldn't fight women in this right. match. Right. Although last week they had a, I think they had Becky Lynch tap a dude out. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, that's right. They did. So all of a sudden there's this. So it was like, what would, I just didn't make any sense. And then the, the main event had something to do with, uh, was that Cedric or who Who the heck was it uh, in a mask? And Oh, that's right. Yeah, Cedric Alexander yeah. was, I forget his name, but yeah, they gave him some really odd name. Yeah, and then he, I think he even lost. Yeah, that's right. And then they did the reveal that, oh, it's him. And it's kind of like, uh, well, shouldn't you have like the masked kind of guy who does the reveal? This is who, this is who was under the mask. Shouldn't he be the guy winning the match? Yeah, typically. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then then you're like, hey, but it's, who was that guy? He won the match. We never heard of him before. And bang, it's this so dude. So very few will understand this analogy, but he wasn't the Midnight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He definitely was not. Because if the guy loses the match, who who gives a shit at, shiz at who the guy is? Well, they got a pay-per-view coming up now, uh, this coming weekend. Um, so I guess it's going to be Undertaker teaming with... Uh, with, with not Seth Rollins, but with um, Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah. Up, right. ag- up against Shane O'Mac and Drew McIntyre. Oh, dear. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, the return of Undertaker. So whatever that gaga was on the internet about uh, Vince being so upset after Super Showdown at both Goldberg and Undertaker that they'd never wrestle again, it's obviously once again proven to be bullshit. Yeah. As they would say in Russia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect Russian, actually. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, I, I tried. What does it translate to? Bullshit. <laughs> That's Japanese, though. No. <laughs> it could be both. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so, but they, it's like they're dropping these pay-per-views like almost every second week. Every, so one company's running almost like literally every second week, it seems. Yeah. Um, well, now... AEW's got that fight for the Fallen now on the 13th. Right. And uh, I guess, uh, I'm not sure, uh, this is at least free to watch on the BR Live, that Bleacher Report app. Um, I'll check actually right now uh-huh. if uh, in uh, in Euro- Europa, uh, can you... Can you watch it or can't you? You can. It's twelve ninety nine on um on the Fight app. Okay. Well, I mean, that's reasonable price. Uh, it's uh, also a... In that way, minor pay-per-view. I think the venue is, in in that way, small. Uh, Florida, once again? Yeah. Well, it's in Jacksonville mm-hmm. uh, for the in that Jacksonville Jaguars um, 
uh, area or whatever, but uh, I'll, I'll look that up now. But uh, the thing is, it's, uh, it's a really great show in that way that it's benefiting the gun violence specifically uh, relating to, I guess, uh, shootings and things that have happened mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. So um, All right. definitely support it, you know, because these are serious issues and, and it's good that they're, uh, I guess, going this direction by trying to have these benefit shows and raising money for these causes. And then the controversial thing here is that Evolve is uh, having their 20 or some kind of anniversary show mm. that same night. And it's going to be, I guess, streamed for free on the network or something like that. So there was Kenny Omega made a controversial tweet that he deleted. Was it last week or a week before? Mm. That uh, kind of, you know, saying, so it's okay to take uh, blood money, uh, referring to the Saudi Arabia thing, mm. you know, and it's it's all good to, you know, try to overshadow a charity event as well or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, as it, it, you know, it, I know for WWE, it's just business there. They see that they've got an event, so they're going to put Adam Cole and a bunch of NXT guys on that show to try to compete in, in a, it's like kind of like that uh, passive aggressive competition where Evolve mm-hmm. is not WWE, mm-hmm. but they have WWE guys there. Yeah. And if, if that Evolve show is a killer show, and let's say it gets higher rated than the AEW show, mm-hmm. then it's a win for WWE. But if AEW show gets higher rated, it doesn't hurt WWE at all because it's an evolved show. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's quite strategic and maybe a little bit, uh, what would you call it? Undermining. Yeah. But mm. then again, it is the wrestling business. I mean, WWE is not short. I mean, th- this is the thing, like the competition bone in Vince McMahon, I guess, is uh, the biggest one he's got. and uh, He needs it. Yeah. I, I think Vince actually admitted at some point that the biggest mistake he ever made was killing his own competition when yeah. he when he bought WCW. He should have let Bischoff buy it. Okay. Like back in the... Uh, I'm not sure if that was his his comment that he should have let, but but the thing is that he did admit that, uh, that you know, if anything, that was the uh, the biggest mistake that he made. All right. <clears throat> so I, I think that, you know, competition is good and it uh, keeps you sharp. Yeah. Well, the uh, the venue, by the way, is the uh, Daly's Place Amphitheater, uh, and it holds about 5,500 people. Well, so there you go. It's not like giant, but... Uh, it's big enough. Yeah, it's definitely big enough. You know, this is the place New Japan should have booked, but, but anyway. Uh, but getting back just for, for just a second before yeah. we close shop today, but uh, uh, about this Eric Bischoff and... Um, Paul Heyman thing. Yeah. Now, they brought back publicly, they they leaked the uh, the news about this themselves, that they're bringing back these two guys to write the Monday Night Raw and uh, Tuesday SmackDown Live shows. And my, my question is this. Now, if their ratings have been dropping, as they have, yeah, and if this was like a measure to do something about it, yeah, and if they're failing to produce good television now, two weeks in, like they're two weeks into this run with these new people at the helm. Yeah. If they flop, what does that prove about WWE? What? Because the thing is like, these were like the, I guess in some way, shape or form, the geniuses of the late nineties. Yeah. So what does it prove if they can't turn around that, uh, it's not a sinking ship, but it's a floundering ship. 
It's true. I mean, uh, there was a, I heard a lot of, um, a lot of people talking about this the last, uh, two weeks, I guess. And there's like a lot of people were like, this is a great sign. Oh man, I'm now I'm, now I'm interested to watch Raw and SmackDown and blah, blah, blah. But maybe Heyman, uh, I see, I, I actually thought, you know, he's the kind of guy who I could see making some significant changes that would actually benefit the, the show. Yeah. Um, then again, he's been pretty hands-on with that company for a long time. I know that he's got very, apparently, I guess the last time he was in charge of this head writing kind of spot, um, he, him and Stephanie McMahon, or at least the McMahons butted heads really bad. And I guess Mm -hmm. that's when he, he got maybe not canned or whatever they agreed dropped out. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, Eric Bischoff to me, right off the get go, I was not excited about him. No, you know, not, not that I don't like the guy or anything like that, but as far as I know from him, he doesn't give a crap about wrestling anymore, mm. uh, whether he did or not to begin with, but he's been out, he's been out of the loop for such a long time and wrestling changes, especially like the mainstream wrestling changes, probably, year to year or month to month, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're out of the loop for that long, are you going to really you be able to use your golden tactics from back in the 90s? Are they going to work now? But you know, the thing is that whatever they're doing now is obviously not working. Yeah. So the thing is that look at the eras that they've had that were successful, the Attitude Era. Yeah, true. So I think that there's a, a certain affinity there towards maybe bringing back a piece of that? I get it, but uh, I just don't... I don't know how they are going to do it in this climate, you know? I mean, well, that's the thing. Is if, if they have the reins on, like, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, the like a horse would yeah. have the reins on. Uh, not Roman reins. No, not Roman reins. No, no, the PG reins. <laughs> yeah. If they have the parental guidance inhibitors uh, shackling them down, yeah. how will you make it work? Yeah, well, that's the question. Question of the day. So how do you guys think it will work? Because, uh, I mean, at the moment, I'm not confident. uh, And it doesn't make me want to watch Raw any more than it used to. Nope. So, um, And these pay-per-views that they're dropping right now, it's just like there's no matches there, really. Hardly hardly any that really have that intrigue or depth or, like, marquee value. It's true. So, oh... We're in a bind right now. So, folks, yeah, send us your um, your feedback, what your thoughts are on the current state of the, I guess, the WWE product more so than even about the AEW product. Because, like, we talked about this last week. It's a very convoluted message that they're sending. True. And uh, what do you think? What is it that you want to see on these wrestling shows? What is it that you think is good? What do you think is bad? Um because right now wrestling still is, at least for the time being, it seems to be rather hot. Uh, but if they don't continue the momentum, then it's not going to be hot for all that long. So send us your uh, your two cents worth, either through Instagram by commenting on our posts, Instagram.com. And uh, what's the handle there? Yeah, shoot, shootin' the shizat. And yeah. you'll find us there uh, as well as on Facebook. We got a page a fan page, I guess, uh, called Shootin' the Shizat Podcast, or just look up Shootin' the Shizat. I'm sure you'll find it. Type yeah. it into Google, and it's it's pretty much there, and you can yeah. listen. Like it, follow it. Yeah, like it, follow it, share it, 
uh, spread the word. That's it. Spread it all over yourself. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, join us next week as well. We're going to talk about something. Uh, we might have a special guest. We might not. You just never know. You never know. But anyways, uh, next week we'll, we will be covering at least the WWE pay-per-view coming up. What is the name of this one here coming up again? But anyway. Probably the no. Nobody Cares. Yeah, that's the one. But, uh, <laughs> but they have also, uh, on top of that, the um, AEW show now coming up too. So on the 13th. That's it. Fight for the Fallen. Fight yeah. for the Fallen. So we'll cover those those events on uh, next week's podcast. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging in there with us this week on Shooting the Shizat. Cream of the Crop. Been a good time. Mm. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>